Thank you all for being here this morning. Uh, today, we are starting a brand new message series. If you want to take a look at the back of your bulletin, you can learn some more about what we're talking about here. And so this is part one of a three-part message series that we are calling North Star. The description is as follows. It's never been easier to get lost. Modern technology has made, it, has made travel easier than ever, but GPS can't help us find what Scripture describes as the path of righteousness. In ancient times, sailors would look to the North Star when they needed to reclaim a sense of direction. That consistent point in the night sky provided travelers with certainty concerning the route they should take. And those of us who dare to identify ourselves as Christians need a North Star. We need a point of consistency to illuminate the path of righteousness. We need a source greater than an unreliable personal moral compass to show us what it looks like to be righteous, to live righteously, and to engage in acts of righteousness. In a word, this whole message series is about righteousness. Today's message is called The Hero Complex. Um, I don't know if you know this about me, but there is a superhero that is near and dear to my heart. Um, do you guys know? That superhero is none other than the Dark Knight. Of course, I'm speaking about Batman. Yeah, okay, yeah. Some, well, I got one person applauding for Batman. That's all I need, right? Yeah, so I'm a fan of Batman. When people find that out about me, oh, you like Batman. They, sometimes they assume that I'm a fan of all the superheroes. Or, oh, you like the whole DC world. You like all those movies and you like all the superheroes. And, and really, not so much. Really, I'm a Batman guy. That's who I am. You know, keep it in Gotham City, Batman, fighting the bad guys there. That's what I'm all about. But... There was a time in my life where I knew nothing about Batman, and I actually really liked a different superhero. So I feel like this is kind of a confession, just a weight to get off my chest right now. Um, there was a time in my life where I wanted to be Superman, and in fact, I can prove it. Can we show that slide? Let's take a look at this. There I am. That is me, okay? Before I knew anything about Batman, there you are, young Josh Schaefer. I've got so much to warn you about. And yet, sadly, I cannot. Here we are. And you can notice I've got one sock on, one sock off. I think that's the way Superman used to travel. That's what I used to look like before the weight of the world crushed my spirit there. Yep. So there I was, Superman. We can take that off. Let's pretend we didn't see that, okay? <laughs> that's been up long enough. But that was me as Superman because what little boy wouldn't want to be Superman? He's a hero. He's so, he's so strong, and he can fly, and he does these good things, and he protects innocent people. Who wouldn't want to be Superman? All those powers, and being able to be faster than a speeding bullet, and it's just wonderful to, to have that strength, and to use it for good, right? To use your power for good, of course. Who wouldn't want to be Superman? I mean, he only has the one weakness, right? Of course, everybody knows that Superman's one weakness is... Look at that, you all knew it. You may have never read a comic book or seen a movie, but you know, you know that Superman has the one weakness, which is kryptonite. Now, I need to share with you an unpopular opinion here about Superman. And so, I don't know, maybe you want to take notes on this, probably not. <clears throat> but I think that Superman has more than one weakness. In fact, I'm going to list three weaknesses for you, bigger and beyond kryptonite. I, think, I don't even think kryptonite is his biggest weakness. Superman has three weaknesses beyond kryptonite. Number one, he wants to be good. He wants to be good. He has a desire 
to be good. He wants to be a hero. He wants to do good. He wants to be good. And you might think, well, isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't that a desire that we mortals should have as well? To do good in this world? To be good? To accomplish acts of righteousness and to live righteously? Yes, we should desire to be good. And even to be heroes. That's a good desire to have. To want to be a hero is a good desire. However, that desire is a weakness because it can be manipulated. That desire to be good, to be a hero, it's a beautiful, it's a wonderful desire, but that desire can be manipulated. Number two, Superman's weaknesses beyond kryptonite. Number two, Superman does not possess an absolutely reliable moral compass. He does not possess an absolutely reliable moral compass. I mean, sometimes it's easy to tell the difference between right and wrong, isn't it? I mean, you're Superman, and you swoop in, and there's some people robbing a bank, and, well, you're the bad guys because you're robbing a bank, and and you're the good guys because you've been stolen from. Sometimes it's easy, but even in the world of fiction, sometimes it's difficult to tell. Well, who are the good guys, and, and who are the bad guys? And who am I supposed to be protecting and defending, and who am I supposed to be fighting against? And so Superman, he does not have an absolutely reliable moral compass. And so what does he have to do? He has to look outside of himself, look to other people to help him figure out well, what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is bad, and what does it mean to be a hero, what does it mean to be a villain. So he needs to look outside of himself, which leads us to the third weakness of Superman. He can be deceived. He can be deceived. He can be tricked. He can be fooled into thinking, thinking something is good that is not good. In fact, one of my favorite graphic novels of all time, The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller, Superman is convinced by none other than the President of the United States of America to go to Gotham City and kill Batman. Wait, what? What? Is this a good thing? I mean, I think it's a good thing, but isn't he a good guy? And so sometimes it's tough. Like I said, sometimes it's tough to know the difference between good and bad. And if we're looking at other people to tell us what's good and bad, we can be deceived. Now, I think most of you have already figured out where we're going with this. (laughs) You and I, see, we're not like Superman in a lot of ways. We're not super strong and we can't fly. I mean, I can't fly. I'll speak for myself. I can't fly, right? We're not Superman. We're not Superwoman. But we do have these things in common, these weaknesses in common with Superman. I mean, so many of us, not just Christians, but especially Christians, so many of us want to be a hero. We want to do good. We want to be a force for good. Shouldn't we? Absolutely, we should. We want to be good. We want to stand on the right side of history, right? And when battle lines are drawn, we want to be on the right side. We want to be good and we want to do good. That's great. Hold on to that desire. We should hold on to that desire, but we need to realize that we, like Superman, we do not possess absolutely reliable moral compasses. We just don't. I mean, sometimes it's easy, right? Sometimes it's easy to know right from wrong, good from evil, righteous from unrighteous. Sometimes it's easy, but other times it's more difficult. What's the old question, the old ethical question? Would you steal a loaf of bread to save your starving family? Well, no, I'm not going to steal because stealing is wrong. Would you let your family die because that's wrong too? Okay, well, I'll steal. Well, that's wrong. Oh, moral dilemmas. Sometimes it's difficult for us to delineate between what is righteous and what is unrighteous, what is good and what is bad. And so we, we share that weakness with the man of steel. We also share that third weakness. We, as human beings, can be deceived. 
We're susceptible to deception. Now listen, sometimes Christians want to push back against us and say, listen, Jesus has freed us from all that. He's given us a new heart. And you know what? That is absolutely true. But we are going through this process. We're going through a transformation. We are being reshaped and conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And while that is happening, we are still susceptible to deception. We're still susceptible. We can still be fooled. We can still be conned. And so when we look to other people, right, we look to the outside world and try and figure out, okay, since I can't always count on my moral compass, let me look to other people to tell me what's good and what's bad. Let me listen to some preachers maybe. Or let me listen to my teacher or my parents or my professor or some politicians and try to figure out what's right or what's wrong. Or let me go to the news and figure out what's right and what's wrong. And I'm watching this news channel and they're saying some things are right and some things are wrong, but this other channel disagrees with that. Or let me go to social media and figure it out. Oh, yikes. Yikes, we can be we can be deceived. We can be deceived. Now, there's this idea that we were all brought up with, and maybe you've even heard someone say this explicitly to you, that people are basically good. Have you heard this? Maybe you've heard someone say that to you. Maybe no one's ever said it to you explicitly, but they've implied, well, people, listen, we're, we're basically good when it comes down to it. Uh, that's not what Scripture says. We are capable of good? Absolutely. Made in the image of God? Absolutely. Christ prepared good works for us in advance, absolutely. But our very nature? Hmm, what did Jesus say? No one is good but God alone. I got a little thought exercise for you today if you want to play along. I know not everybody plays along when I throw these things out. A little thought exercise for you. Here's what I want you to think about. If you could get away, ready? If you could get away with doing any one thing, what would you do? If you could get away with anything, any one thing, what would you do? No consequences. God's given you a free pass to anything you want. It's not going to count as a sin. I'm going to turn a blind eye. Your church will never find out. Your pastor will never find out. There's some money you want to steal. There's someone you've just been waiting to knock out. No one's going to hold it against you, right? Okay? If you could get away with doing any one thing, what would you do? And your parents would never find out. And your children would never find out. And husbands, your wives would never find out. And wives, your husbands We'll never find out. Are we all uncomfortable now? <laughs> What's the one thing you would do if you could get away with anything? Now, some of you who actually played along and were being honest, wow, some of the stuff you thought of, goodness gracious, here you are in a church building and there's a cross right up there and some of the thoughts that you just had, wow. You know why? Because we are not basically good. We want to be. We want to be, and that's a great desire, but in, in our core, in our nature, we are not basically good. We are being transformed and conformed into the image of Christ, but in that process, we is, it's not complete. We are not complete yet, and we won't be complete on this side of heaven. And so we need to be aware of this. We want to be good, and that desire to be heroes, to be on the right side of history, that desire can be manipulated. That desire has been manipulated among us right here in this room, among believers. I don't know if you realize this, maybe you caught there was a small blurb on the back of the newspaper that said, we just went through an election. Did you hear about that? Just went through an election. And this whole election season, all the commercials, all the ads, everywhere you go, there's an ad, social media ads, YouTube ads, television ads, commercial ads, radio ads, 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 ads. And what do they tell us? Well, we've got a two-party government here, and this party over here, they're the good guys, and those other people, they're the bad guys, right? 
this party over here. We're the good guys. Join the team hero. Join the good guy team because they're, they want to ruin our country. And then you turn on the other station. They say, no, 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 no. We're the heroes. We're the good guys. And they're the bad guys over there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. I want to I I be on the good guy team, don't you? <laughs> I mean, if there's lines forming, I want to be on team hero. I want to be on team good guy. So which, which team is team hero? Which team is team righteousness? Who are... Who are the good guys? Maybe there are no good guys. That's a question for another day. Forget I said that. Never mind that, all right? But that, that desire to be good and to want to be good and to want to do good can be manipulated. People are after us. They want us to join their side. They want us to join their team. And so they're going to make their case that they are the heroes and they are the good guys. And we want to be a part of that. We want to stand on the right side of history. Here's what we need. Let me talk to the believers right now. Here's what we need, a north star. We need a source, a reliable source, a consistent source that tells us what is righteous and what is not righteous, what is good and what is bad. We need that. We can't count on ourselves because we don't have a reliable personal moral compass. We can't rely on ourselves and we can't rely on the voices of others. We can't. We need a consistent north star. And fortunately, God has given us that very thing, a North Star. Take a look at the Scripture passage that Ruth read for us this morning. From 2 Timothy, chapter 3. This is Paul writing to a younger man. Uh, Timothy was essentially a son, son in the faith to Paul, not his biological child, but he felt that way. They had that dynamic, a father-son dynamic. And so Paul had been a part, had been instrumental in starting this church in Ephesus, and, and now Timothy is pastoring this church. And so Paul writes these letters back to Timothy, giving him some encouragement, giving him some direction. And so that's where we are in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and what you have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And so what we discover about Timothy is that his mother and his grandmother taught him the Word of God, taught him from what we call the Bible nowadays, taught him from the Word of God, taught him the Scriptures since he was an infant, since he was a little baby, teaching him from the Word of God. And Paul says to Timothy, hold on to that. Hold on to that north star you were presented with from infancy. Hold on to what you were taught. It says these, these words uh, from Scripture are able to make us wise for salvation. Just, just note that Paul's not saying, hey, if you study the Bible, that's how you get saved. No, 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 no. Paul doesn't say that at all. But it makes you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. And so what Paul is saying is that the Scriptures point us to the reality that we need Jesus Christ to be saved. Verse 16, all Scripture is God-breathed. Isn't that a fun way to put it? God-breathed, God-inspired. It all comes from the mind, from the heart, from the intention of God. God gave it to us on purpose. It's God-breathed. You think of how God breathed life into the first human beings. He breathes life into us through these words. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. A couple weeks ago, 
Aaron Hess stood up here and he talked about money a little bit. Do you remember that? And he had um, some blocks of wood and he had a hammer. He talked about using money as a tool, right? Well, Scripture is a tool. It's useful. It has a useful purpose. It's not just about let's get around and kind of read this book and do a churchy type thing. No, no. There's a use for this. There's a use for this instruction for these words. It's useful for teaching. Oh, that's a good one. That's a happy one, right? That's an easy one. So Paul is saying to Timothy, if you've got to stand up, you know, you're, you're giving some kind of a church service, you're meeting with some believers, maybe you're in a large group setting, maybe you're in a small group setting, break out these scriptures and, and teach from them, right? Just do that. You don't have to think of something creative, you don't have to you know, do a PowerPoint, you don't have to show pictures of yourself as a kid. Just teach from the Bible. It's good for teaching. It's useful for teaching. That's great. The next two are tricky. Scripture is also useful for rebuking and correcting. Rebuking and correcting, using the Scripture as our standard for what is righteous and what is not righteous, what is right and what is wrong. And when you see people in your church, Timothy, that are walking down that wrong path, you rebuke and you say, that's wrong. And then you correct and say, this is right. Rebuking is saying, listen, I love you enough. I love you enough to have these awkward conversations with you. I love you enough to say, I'm concerned. You're headed down the wrong path. Let's correct it. Let's rebuke. Let's correct and bring you back to the right path path. Guys, this is tough, okay? Now, listen, I'm not the only one who's had to do this kind of thing. I know I'm a pastor, and Timothy was a pastor, and like that's kind of, it comes with the territory, all right? It's not fun. I don't like rebuking and correcting. I don't like doing it, because I don't like hurting your feelings, and I want you to like me, all right? (laughs) I actually want people to like me, believe it or not, but it's part of what we have to do, and it's based on genuine love and concern, Right? Have you had those tough conversations with people in your life? We're walking down the wrong path and you see it because you have a perspective that they don't have. And so it's awkward and you don't want to say it, but because you love them, you say, I have, to, I have to point this out and I know I'm just a human being like you and I'm not trying to... I just Listen, listen, this is, this is dangerous. Let me correct. Here's what we need to do instead. Right? I'll confess to you that as a pastor, I have a pretty low success rate for those kind of conversations. It's just the reality. You know, I have people and I talk to them about, you know, young couples that are dating and they're unequally yoked and you got a believer dating an unbeliever. I say, listen, listen, listen. I mean, there's a reason. Paul tells us this, this is a bad idea. There's a reason. This isn't a good idea. Let's, let's kind of correct that behavior. Thank you for your concern, Pastor, but I got it. Okay. What, what, what else can I do? You make your case. I'm concerned about this behavior. I think, you know, here you are and you're, you're, you're kind of advancing your relationship and I don't think you should be and like, look what Scripture says. I'm sorry to say this and this is awkward. Oh, thank you so much for bringing that up, but I got it. Ugh, it's tough. This rebuking and correcting business is tough, but it's necessary. It's necessary in a love relationship to do this very kind of thing. You know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of really good reasons why people leave churches And there are a lot of lousy reasons why people leave churches. This right here is one of them. Someone's rebuked, someone's corrected, and they just say, you know what, well, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to connect somewhere else. What do you do in a situation like that? Okay. (laughs) I've done what I can. Okay. All right, let's get back to the good stuff, all right? All right. All Scripture, God breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and, here it is, training in righteousness. The idea is that we, Christians and pastors, 
you know, believers, that we need to be trained. It's not as if we, quote, become Christians, we get ourselves saved, and then boom, now I just know righteousness. No, it doesn't work that way. We need to be trained, okay? This isn't like Superman landing on earth and he's got these powers all of a sudden. No, this is like Bruce Wayne studying and training and training and training to become Batman. We need to be trained in righteousness to learn what's right and what's wrong so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. We need to be trained. We need to be equipped so that we can do good, so that we can be heroes. Do you want that? I mean, do you, do you want to be a force for good in your community? Do you want to, I'm looking at some, you want to be heroes? No, I don't want to be a hero. I just want to go through life and make some money. No, we want to be forces for good in this community, don't we? So we need to be trained in righteousness. We need to cling to this book, the Holy Scriptures, the Bible that we have. This is our North Star. Anything else is not a North Star. My words to you are not a North Star. They're not. Scripture is our North Star. Always consistent, showing us what is right, what is wrong. Listen, I'm only 40 years old. That might seem old depending on your age. But in my lifetime, I have seen culture shift back and forth. This is right. No, this is wrong. No, this is right. No, this is wrong. And you know what's been consistent this whole time? The Word of God is a consistent point of light, consistently illuminates for us the path of righteousness. Now, I've been doing this whole pastoring thing for over eight years now as, a, as the pastor of hope. And I think... Um, a few times a year, I give you the you should read your Bible message. <laughs> well, guess what? This is the you should read your Bible message, okay? <laughs> now, some of you are tired of hearing it. Well, guess how tired I am of saying it. Some of you should read your Bible. All of us should read our Bible, and some of you are, and some of you need to start this. And so I want you to think about where you are in relationship to the Scripture right now. When's the last time you read from Scripture? And you can't count this morning, <laughs> When's the last time you were in the Word of God for yourself? I'm not talking about a church service, right? What we're doing here right now, this is wonderful, this is important to to be together and to worship, absolutely is great, but this is not a substitute for being in the Word of God for yourself. When's the last time you were reading from Scripture? When's the last time you were on social media? When's the last time you turned on the news? All right, take a look at your week, this past week, right? How much time have you spent in Scripture? How much time have you spent in Scripture? How much time have you spent watching the news? Where are the scales? Where are the scales? A lot of time watching the news. Did you read Scripture at all? Where is it? Guys, this needs to change. This needs to change. Now, I anticipated some pushback with this whole message series. At such a time as this, with everything going on in our world politically and everything going on with the pandemic, do we really need to be talking about reading the Scripture? Uh, Yes. This is exactly where we need to be focused right now is going back to our North Star. Reclaiming that sense, that understanding of that North Star gives us guidance for how we are to live. Being able to tell the difference between right and wrong. I believe that we can be heroes. We can be heroes. Maybe David Bowie was right. We can be heroes. We can do this thing. But we need training in righteousness first. And that training, friends, it never ends. It's not like we get our black belt in Christianity. Okay, I've studied the Bible. Let me go on my way. No, 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 no. I mean, I went to Bible college for undergrad. I went to seminary. I'm not done my training yet, and neither are you. None of us are. 
We need that training so that we can be heroes in this world. We want to fight for the side of justice? Great. We've got to figure out what justice is. We want to protect the innocent? Fantastic. Let's figure out who the innocent is, who the innocent are. We want to love one another? Wonderful. Let's figure out how to love one another. When we get ourselves in the Word of God, when we make that a priority in our lives, we are able to delineate between righteousness and unrighteousness. We know what it means to be a hero, what it means to be a villain. We know the difference between good and bad, and then we are able to be heroes in our community and around the world. But it all starts with prioritizing studying the Scripture. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you. Thank you for preserving your word for us to this day. It is, it is so accessible. It is easily accessible for us. It's on our phones. It's on our computers. There's copies of your word everywhere. Father God, I just ask that you would give us a desire and a willingness to turn to your word, to turn to the scriptures. God, we need to be trained. We need to be trained in righteousness. We need to be equipped to do the good works that we want to do, the good works that you have called us and created us to do. So allow us, Father God, to create that habit, reading your word, studying your word, making that a priority in our lives, and allow us to be transformed by the power of your word. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.